and welcome to another edition of LGBT in the Ring, your rainbow bastion for all things pro wrestling. I am your host, Brian Bell, here with you once again on the Outsports Podcast Network, and we have a fun one in store for you today, because on the show, we have one-third of the Next Level Soldiers fighting out of Chicago, Illinois. Um, they are preparing to hold their first ever promoted show, um, which is very interesting considering that our guest is just closing out her rookie year in the ring and, and already jumping into the foray of promoting uh, NLS is for Everyone coming up this Saturday, March 5th uh, at the Berwyn Eagles Club in the Chicago area there. We have Coda Holiday on the show this week. Um, one of the brains behind this show, someone who has been, uh, you know, training and getting in the ring um, over the past couple of years and to fulfill her dream of uh, becoming a name on the Chicago indie scene that she grew up watching and, and falling in love with um, as that love for pro wrestling cultivated for her. Um, we cover a lot. In, in today's interview, a lot about adolescence for everyone, a lot about Coda's experiences in pro wrestling, and as well as a, a lot of other um, issues like imposter syndrome and, um, you know, just many different things that can come to mind and, and can really have an effect on, on us as people, really, <laughs> with no other delineation. As a great chat, um, also have a little bit of fun with a with a very uh, <laughs> humorous um, Mari Povich angle that that she and uh, her tag team partner Jack John Jax Johnson uh, did at a at a show last year. All great stuff. Really enjoyed it. Can't wait for y'all to hear it. But um, before we get there, I do want to give a quick shout out to Pro Wrestling Vibe. Obviously, um, as I'm recording this intro. Their um, fundraiser for the uh, Transgender Education Network of Texas uh, just uh, ended a little while ago. Um, you know, that best of collection of pro wrestling vibe matches stretching back to Butch vs. Gore in 2020. Um, vibe for what's right, protect, protect trans vibes, all that good stuff. Um, first off, Stellar Wrestling Show. But. It's the best of compilation from a company that has put on a, a lot of great events over the past couple of years. Um, so there's no surprise there. But it's just awesome to see um, the LGBTQ community within pro wrestling really using the platform that they have cultivated um, to highlight issues that we're seeing in Texas right now when it comes to the treatment of trans youth, uh, their parents, authority figures teachers, doctors, you know, really anyone in, around them that are providing the gender affirmation, that vital, vital, vital gender affirmation um, in whatever way they need it. So, um, you know, if you haven't checked out the event, it's up on IWTV now. Go check it out there. All streaming revenues from that show are being donated to Tent. Um, and I hope this is just the start of a number of companies, not just LGBTQ-led companies, but um, companies that run in Texas, companies that are coming to Texas for WrestleMania weekend. Um, the Collective, 
Um, hopefully, this is the start of something with within the pro wrestling world that can really lend um, aid and um, support to uh, the community in Texas that is being besieged by these um, horrible, terrible directives from uh, Governor Greg Abbott down there. You love to see it, um, and I hope that the rest of the pro wrestling world just follows suit. Use your platform for good. That's all that, I mean, that, that's really all that needs to be said. Use your platform for good, and supporting trans youth in Texas is a very good uh, thing to do. Of course, our hearts are also with the, uh, the citizens in Ukraine uh, currently that are um, dealing with the uh, invasion of Russian forces there. Um, yeah, that's that's something that's not going to leave the brain for a while. And the support that we feel at this show for the Ukrainian citizens is not going to go away either. With that being said, let's jump right into my interview with Coda Holiday. What's up, guys, gals, and non-binary pals? Welcome back to LGBT in the Ring. I'm very, very excited to have as my guest this week, one-third of the Next Level Soldiers, the sister of Nestruction. I hope I got that one right. <laughs> I love that so much. That nickname, is so, that nickname is so stupid, but I love it so much. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. It's so to the point. Um, and one of the minds behind NLS is for everyone coming up at the Berwyn Eagles Club in the Chicago area on March 5th. Please welcome Coda Holiday to the show. How are you doing, Coda? I am here. I'm so excited to be on. Um, I, I love LGBT in the ring. I've been listening to a bunch of them uh, periodically whenever I get like into my podcast mood. I like I have a whole bunch saved up. So I'll listen to this. I'll listen to a bunch of true crime um, podcasts and just so I'm super excited to be on that. that that's a complete non sequitur, but I'm super excited to be on. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I feel you like sometimes you just sometimes, sometimes you just got to step away from it focus on something else but it's always good to have the backlog there yeah um, i uh, i have a very bad habit of getting into things obsessing for two weeks and then forgetting they exist for like another three months yo um yeah it's real bad <laughs> real bad i feel you i feel you so hard <laughs> <laughs> I, I am guilty of that way too much um but one thing that I know that we're both super into and, and doesn't really go away that often is pro wrestling. And I'm glad yep. that we had the chance to sit down with you and talk about this because NLS is for everyone coming up on March 5th. Um, I love the idea, obviously. The more shows that we have promoting inclusivity and promoting um, LGBTQ identities and having LGBTQ identities behind the scenes and putting things together and running these sort of things, the better, honestly. Yeah. But I'm excited for the show. Obviously, we here at LGBT in the Ring are sponsoring a, uh, a big triple threat there featuring uh, Mateo Valentine and Russell Rogue. You yourself have a very formidable opponent at this show. Uh, what am I doing? I am punching <laughs> above my weight class, y'all. Like, what am I doing? I'm wrestling Ziggy Hive. How dare I? Like, how dare I get the chance to wrestle Ziggy Hive? I don't know why I'm doing that. <laughs> I'm gonna die. I am going to get <laughs> murdered, and it's gonna be the greatest thing I've ever done. Yo, if there's a way to go out, 
Yeah, I look so. Uh, I will still keep real conversational. So let me tell you a little bit about uh, that match in particular. Go for um, it. I love podcasts uh, that like tell all, like not like tell like tell alls. Like I'm gonna be dropping dirt because I I don't have heat with anybody. Um, if you think you have heat with me, you don't. Uh, humans make mistakes, and human to an extent, right? Like we're not we're not here apologizing for rapists or sexual assault people or yeah. racists, right? But yeah. to an extent, people make mistakes and. You don't get to see everybody's life or how they're living. And if you personally think someone's a scumbag, if you personally think someone uh, isn't doing things correctly, that's totally cool. And if you think I am a scumbag, I, I get that, right? Like, that's just how life is. Your perspective is your, is your law. And if you personally think a certain way about me, I'm sorry. If I can apologize, I will. Like, 100% meaningfully, I will say I'm sorry. I will apologize for what, I, what I've done. Um, but like, you know, perception is reality. And so um, that whole point was going to the fact that we're talking about me versus Siggy Heim. Um, and so like, uh, where was I going with that? I had a point. <laughs> what the hell? Um, yeah, but no, me and Ziggy Heim is going to be great. Uh, me and Ziggy Heim is going to be great. Um, I, oh, yes, 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 sorry. Tell off and all that stuff. So, uh, but I like... Um, yeah, I don't have beef with anybody. I don't have heat. If you think we have heat, it's not real. Uh, unless it's real to you, in which case, I'm sorry. But the point of that was for me to say, I love like podcasts that get into like the behind the scenes and break down and f you get to find out things you'll never know. Um, I used to run a music podcast where I would like talk to like DIY bands because I used to be um, really, really into the DIY scene in Michigan. Um, I used to live in Michigan. I was born and raised in Flint, Michigan. Um, which is why one of my nicknames is the 810 kid because that is the area code of Flint, Michigan. It's not the 810 kid, it's the 810 kid. Um, so many people call it 810, but like, no, it's my area code. Let me let me have my Flint representation. Um, <laughs> anyway, can you tell I have ADHD? Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> the point is, I used to have a podcast where I would like talk to bands about like all the nitty gritty details you would never find out. And I love doing that about, about anything. So I'm gonna tell you a secret about, uh, and this is for everyone, my original opponent um, that we had agreed to and because of just how the car shook out and how like far advanced this card was booked um, had to be changed, I was going to wrestle Edith Surreal. Ooh. And that was going to be nonsense. And so when Edith Surreal had to pull out due to having a local show, I think, or personally, I don't know why Edith pulled out. I don't care. Like Edith is great. I love Edith. Um, I never have, I haven't met Edith. I don't know Edith. I want to wrestle them in the future. I think they're wonderful. Uh, no ill will between NLS and Edith's real. But when I, I had like a list of people I want to wrestle and I, I still have this list. It was Ziggy Heim. It was Masha Slamovich. It was uh, Eden Von England and it was Mickey Knuckles. Um, <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a cool, that's a list. I want to die. Can you yep. tell I want to die? <laughs> Um, I, I'm so lucky that I've gotten the chance to wrestle um, Eden Von England once. I wrestled her at the uh, the most recent women's tournament, uh, the Joshi Tai Chi tournament. I don't know how to say that word. That Zero One produced. Um, I don't know if it's out anywhere right now, but you can find the results on, on Cage Match. It's Cage Match official. Um, but uh, I got to wrestle Eden Von England and it was great, and I can't wait to wrestle Eden again. Again, so to be able to uh, check another name off of my 
want to die by list is going to be super good. And I can't wait to wrestle Ziggy. Uh, yeah. What is it about Ziggy that, that made her make that list for you? Honestly, when I, when I made that list, because I, I have a lot, I have, I, I am a very list oriented person with wrestling. I love to punch above my weight class. Um, I have been wrestling in the ring for a year. I have been training for over a year and a half. Um, I should not be getting the opportunities that I'm getting right now. Like I'm, I'm getting so many opportunities and a lot of this cause I'm working hard. Right. Uh, in April, I broke, uh, like last April, a month after I made my wrestling debut, I broke my collarbone. Mm. A week later, I was in Indianapolis, or I was in Terre Haute uh, at a seminar with Billy Rock, arm in a sling, uh, doing like for so, don't do this, kids. I was doing the like the 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 conditioning drills, like the like the, with an arm in a sling, doing fucking doing squats and jumping jacks as much as I could. Don't do that. That's a bad idea. But like, I just really, really wanted to be a pro wrestler, and so like. I really, really want this. And I've had so many setbacks in the year, um, so many like personal issues that, uh, you know, got me in trouble because of financial issues and just trying to, against all odds, uh, make this my life to the point where, you know, like it, it just, sometimes you rub people the wrong way because they, you could be, you come across as conniving um, or just like uh, as trying to reach your goal with any means and using people. Um, I, I don't think that's how I've done it, but like it's a valid worldview, right? And so I, all I have to say, I just, I just really, 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 really want to be a pro wrestler. And Ziggy Haim has had this really, really cool story where um, even from back to the mass days, right, to now being Ziggy Haim, uh, they have fought their heart off, their ass off, fought their heart out to try to get to where they're at. And their whole aesthetic, their whole just ring style of just willing to do what it takes to be their true authentic self, which really resonates with me. And I think if you look at that entire list, all four of those people, and you can add Edith Surreal and Dark Sheik onto that list too, because they're on my, they're on, they're on my, um, my uh, transgender queens I want to wrestle list as well. Um, I have so many lists, but like if you like those those uh, those six names, uh, all exemplify doing what it takes to be themselves and not giving a fuck. And I hope one day, in two three years after I keep paying my dues, because I, I I don't think I'm done. I don't think I'm at my peak. I don't think I'm done working hard, uh, paying my dues. I don't think I'm a good wrestler, but one day I will be. Um, and so in three or four years, when people are new, new women's wrestlers, new trans wrestlers are making their I want to die by list. I want that list to include Masha Slamovich. I want that list to include Mickey Knuckles if she's still wrestling because she will be. She'll be wrestling until she's like 82. Uh, <laughs> Ziggy Heim. Uh, I want that list to include Eve England, and I want that list to include Coda Holiday. Mm. No, I mean it's a it's a lofty goal, but one that definitely you know with hard work and, and everything is definitely attainable. You know, <clears throat> if I don't and, die by Ziggy's high, by Ziggy Heim's hand on March fifth, you can always be resurrected. It's fine. Um, <laughs> 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 That's what I mean. Pro wrestling is like comic books, right? Yeah, nobody's, exactly. nobody's really dead. Exactly. <laughs> no. 
Um, no, I'm ex- I'm excited for this match. Obviously, it sounds like there's there's a lot of personal significance there for you. I I do want to ask a little bit about like since you said that Edith was the original opponent. Um, obviously, you are you're trans. Um, Edith, you know, one of the most uh, prominent trans pro wrestlers right now on the independent scene, really in all of pro wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, was there any special significance to having Edith be your opponent originally because of the, the shared trans experience there for you? That that was definitely there. I think when when I when so when we set up this show, the whole idea of it for us at the start was sink or swim. And we still kind of maintain that. But it became less of an important thing. And I mean, if you go for the, the, the card, uh, all 12 matches, which was uh, the first problem that we should have not done, but we're doing <laughs> it. We're here. Um, like uh, there's still that sink or swim, sink or swim aspect. Every single match on the card is first time ever. Right. So th- th- there was a lot of like underlying reasons why I wanted Edith Surreal. One of them being the, the shared uh, transgender wrestling uh, um, situation. It's not situation, uh, just fact. The fact that we are both trans women in pro wrestling. Um, but like, to be honest, I think the main reason why I wanted to wrestle Edith Surreal was because she was doing something different she still is but like when we made so we made this the original card back in october of last year and this was around the time i think it was around the time that that edith and ziggy were like feuding and going to have that mass versus hair match oh if it, yeah if if it wasn't around that time it was either just before or like just after and everything edith was doing um starting in april of uh, like wrestlemania season last year when she had the match that like for, for all the purposes was not the greatest match of all time versus Lee Moriarty. Um, but it's that match stuck out to me. Um, so I have a really weird way of talking about pro wrestling that I don't think a lot of other pro wrestlers uh, agree with. A lot of pro wrestlers take their experience and understanding how hard it is and kind of just while, while like giving criticism where it's due kind of don't like rating how matches are because we have this because we are biased we are skewed we know how hard it is to be a pro wrestler we know how hard we're working and we a lot of us think our matches suck so how can you skew that and we think our friend matches are great and you so you'll never really get a truly unbiased look at pro wrestling from a pro wrestler i am i am totally okay saying a match sucked from someone else but meaning in all and like all love because you can't always have hits you can't always have bangers and that's okay because you need those matches those letdowns to help you get better right for all of the purposes the match between uh uh edith and lee moriarty wasn't bad but it, it was it was you know i think that was like one of edith's first match really trying to showcase that she can wrestle wrestle right but the thing that always stood out for me is she had this really elaborate entrance with like uh, picture frames and she was walking through it. It was like this WrestleMania like entrance on an indie budget. And it just, it just always stuck out to me. And then she goes on to have this match where while not, while it wasn't like a classic Lee Marty is known for, she actually holds her own. And it's just like everything about that and the like the few she's been having and enjoy just 
she is a wrestler I want to be. Like if I was if I was getting into wrestling in April of 2021, I would have want to be Edith Surreal. However, I, I didn't. I I I have been a wrestling fan since I was a little child. I started wrestling in 2020, so that is why I am uh, more of a dark sheik than an Edith Surreal when it comes to wrestling. But like that's why I wanted to do Edith Surreal because in a, in a different life I could be Edith Surreal, and I really wanted to test myself and test Edith Surreal. Can she carry a fucking me to a good match let's see <laughs> whereas with Ziggy Heim Ziggy Heim doesn't have to carry me to a good match we're literally gonna beat the shit out of each other and all love I love Ziggy me as a given messaging um on and off during this process I can't wait to meet Ziggy but we're gonna beat the fuck out of each other and it's gonna be great <laughs> I mean that's what pro wrestling is at its best right good friends yeah. just knocking the shit out of one another exactly no I hope I that l- answered your question I kind of oh, yeah it, it, it's good. You're good. <laughs> no, it, it's interesting though, because like, I don't know. I I go back to that Edith Lee Moriarty match a lot, and especially the intro. Like the entrance, it's like blew me away as well. Yeah. Like that's just one of those things that you don't see on the independent level that often, and it just it fits Edith to a T there. So I totally understand where you're coming from there. Um, hopefully that match does happen for you. Hopefully you and, and Dark Sheik, all those. I want that entire list scratched off for you um that that's just awesome we'll get there one day exactly exactly um and staying on the theme of like the nitty-gritty let me get a little bit of a nitty-gritty out of the way for you because you talked about you know you started training in 2020 and you didn't debut until 2021 um you popped up on my radar uh while you were still training initially um and so like i was surprised to find out that you hadn't debuted yet i thought that you had that you had been wrestling for a couple of years at this point so you know i've been hearing you talk about this being like the cap of your rookie year i i hadn't i had i thought you'd already been in the ring for a while so (laughs) i don't know this is interesting to me so so let me ask you a question let's flip this whole thing around what 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 got you what got me on your radar um because you you say you say that and i legitimately cannot think of a single thing that would have put me on your radar before (laughs) probably like the summer of 2021 was when i had my first uh what was when summer 2021 was when proving grounds came out um and i had some stinkers on there in my opinion but i also had a really cool thing at the at the end of summer 2021 of that because all that footage was was filmed uh, in October of 2020, um, mm-hmm. around or around there, uh, because that was filmed like almost a year in advance of the proving ground footage. Um, but yeah, so yeah, how did how did I get on your radar? Because I actually have a fun story about uh, QWI. Oh, actually, it's funny. It's good you mentioned the QWI because that's how it happened. Honestly, okay. When I was doing the first QWI list, um, like the first like big like hundred list, um, in at the end of uh, 2020. Uh, obviously, you know, part of my job is to like research and find as many of our community members that are in pro wrestling as possible. So I have people on my radar. I li- I have a running list, by the way. This yeah. is this is something I haven't told anybody else on the show before. I have a Google Doc. Nice. <laughs> that might be weird. I'm sorry if it's weird to to anyone listening <laughs> or any past guests. Like it, it's, it's, it's literally it's literally your job, yeah. Like you your your job. Um, 
through at least specifically the aspect of QWI and without sports for that, right, is to chronicle queer wrestlers. So you have to have a list to chronicle the queer wrestlers. Exactly. I do. I just know sometimes like if you hear like my name's on the list, that can be <laughs> a little weird. Anyway, so yeah, so like, you know, I was researching out for that first hundred list, you know, it was unranked and I, I wanted to prove a point, you know, I got and that, that there were a hundred of us in there. Obviously there are way more than that. But, you know, through my research and trying to, to like fill out that, that research ahead of doing that list, I came across you. Um, nice. I came across you just because of like your like your Twitter presence, really. Like I saw that you were like that you mentioned you were training um, or that you had been wrestling for a little bit. And okay. I literally just like, OK, well, that's a follow. That's a name to put there as a person to keep an eye on, you know. So like that's that's where it was. And like, you know, while that first that that first 100 list, like you didn't you didn't make it onto that one. Like the 200 list came around, you debuted. You know, I realized that you hadn't debuted yet, so <laughs> debut. And I watched like I watched some of the proving ground stuff, and I watched some some of the other stuff that you've been doing uh, with with CSW. And yeah, that's that's really how that all came together. It was literally just me, just like sitting down, like I need to find as many queer wrestlers as possible because I need to know, like I need to keep an eye on everyone. So. Strike another one up for Dakota's annoying Twitter presence. We win. We, we stay winning. Hell yeah. <laughs> so my, my, my fun story about QWI, um, and then we can, uh, we, can, we can go back to NLS if you like. Uh, my fun story about QWI. So if you don't, if people don't know, um, I don't know if I tweet about it enough, uh, but uh, there is a social deduction game, a lot like, like Mafia or Werewolf called Blood on the Clock Tower. Um, it is uh not actually not released yet but it like has like like this cult following um because it was a kickstarter game that's hit like a lot of roadblocks um it's come it should be coming out in april but like it has this really cult following um and so a lot of people play it online it's not meant to be played online well it the publisher is making an online version soon um but like so there there is this uh fan created but publisher not supported but like uh, approved, I guess is the best word, unofficially approved version of this online game that the publisher's own Twitch channel like plays on a regular basis. Uh, every Thursday at like 3 p.m. Eastern, every Sunday at 6 p.m., 7 p.m. Eastern, I think, and then like Wednesday at like 3 a.m. Eastern. Um, so like there's this big community. Uh, it's a it's a social deduction board game, and I got super into it over like march 2021 right <laughs> from like and so um i got really into it and i eventually started playing it on different streams and now i actually am one of the hosts of the develop uh, the developers twitch streams of the sunday streams i'm one of the four hosts so mm-hmm. if you ever want to watch some board games at like 10 o'clock at night on a sunday twitch.tv backslash whatever the pandemonium institute that's a place um you can hear my dumb voice um, but long story short, I had the opportunity to play that game on the YouTube channel No Rolls Barred, which is Adam Blompier's and Russell Talks board game um, YouTube channel. Uh, and so, as we're recording uh, through my connections with t- the the publisher, because uh, that one one of the members of the publisher runs the game for them on their on their YouTube. Um, so f- uh, during the recording. You can, if you go back, if you go and watch the video, um, the first like 
10 minutes. As they are introducing people, they, they say my name, I say hello. And then about 20 seconds later, you see me look down at my phone and get really fucking confused. And that was me finding out live that I was like, you know, because my phone keeps blowing up. And I'm over here like me having a really bad, like, you know, imposter symptom. I'll be like, I, I'm just wrestling. At that point, I think I've had a couple matches I like, but nothing like super, super like top notch in my opinion. So I'm like, who the fuck, where the fuck am I on a list? 188? Like, what the hell? And I'm like, you literally see me get so confused. And I just love that story because you can literally see my live reaction to finding out I'm on a list. Because I didn't know beforehand. No one told me. I just get like this bomb of people like, Coda, you're on a list. Coda, you're on a list. Oh, shit. What? Why? <laughs> I I love that story, honestly. Like, I, I, like I, I love putting together the QWY every year. Um, it's, it's hard. It's a labor of love honestly, but I really enjoy doing it mostly for stories like that. I would say almost like 99% for stories like that because that that list is meant to obviously give visibility. It's meant to give um, a sense of pride to, to this community and within pro wrestling as it continues to grow. But it's also like about validation for all of yeah. those work that you put into what you do because like you said like at the beginning of the show here like pro wrestling is not easy obviously um and it takes so much of not just your body but also your mind and you know that can be very very taxing and you know that's it's it's one of the ways that i like to give back to to all of you um because of what y'all do uh, do out there mm. and i don't know that's just that you just made my morning honestly like that's just it's just amazing to hear i'm glad that you know i'm glad that it had that that kind of impact for you well i i'm, I'm just glad that they like i said i know it's labor love i know like it it it, it can't be easy because i know wrestling ain't easy and so i know supporting wrestling just first off ain't fucking easy because there's wrestling sucks like just straight up, like wrestling is garbage. It's so it's one of the worst art forms. It's one of the it's it's one of the the worst things to ever exist. However, there are some great humans in wrestling. There are some great people in wrestling, and there are some great wrestlers. Um, there's some great promoters. There's great uh, journalists. There's there's great uh, announcers, commentators. Uh, like there's so much greatness. Such a shitty thing that I'm glad that that's where I can make your morning because that list you know it makes so many people's days careers like um one of my training partners uh is moon dog uh, greg murray who's mm, also yes. on that list and one of the things and uh, also i train i train with joey mayberry i train with mateo valentine the four of us like call ourselves as a joke we call we, we call ourselves the 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 four horse queers of chicago indie wrestling um <laughs> and so <laughs> um, I think Joey came up with that. That's simply a Joey Mayberry thing. Um, so I'll give Joey the credit for it. Uh, I love Joey Mayberry so much. But like, like the four of us, the four of us have all have had such different stories. Mateo has been very openly queer their entire wrestling journey, and I know that took a lot for them because you know that that wasn't always the case in their life. 
but when they started wrestling or at least when they started like wrestling on shows they've always been flamboyant and i love it for them like we all have our own journeys right like that that, that trust me i spent so many nights talking to mateo just hearing how 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 much anxiety and stuff they have have over wrestling because they just want to be the best they can be and they are killing it as themselves completely uh joey spent so many years in florida doing like a cowboy gimmick or something like him and Evie young were both southern wrestlers in a tag team which is another reason why i'm so happy that this match got to be um at nls uh it's for everyone we're having joey mayberry versus Evie young for the enjoy wrestling title i, I don't love know how the hell we did that i love the evolutions of both of those dudes heading into this match completely yeah. different from anything they were doing in florida it's so good Yes. Um, and then uh, Moondog, uh, Moondog doesn't necessarily get to be, without, and now Joey is in your face, like whatever the fuck. My favorite thing, I don't know how many videos, these, like if you, if you go through like Joey and Mayberry's like promos throughout like uh, the last year and a half, and I think two or three of them, he, he has a, uh, he, he does a promos where someone from off camera is recording. And it's like uh, TMZ style, like ambush. And someone, and me, it's me. I'm holding the camera and I'm yelling, Mr. Bitch, Mr. Bitch. And just like trying to get all these questions. And that came out of something uh, where the very first promo, he wanted to do a TMZ style one. Um, I think it was for a trap match with Tommy Purr in Las Vegas sometime last year, uh, summer of last year, when he went to Vegas to wrestle Tommy Purr. Um, and he, he, I was, I was the only one around. Like I, he said, Coda, can you please record this for me? Sure. I want to do like a TMC style thing where you're like, you're ambushing me. I'm telling you, I'm like, cool. And so uh, I say, Joey Mayberry, he's like, excuse me. It's first, last name, bitch, first name, uh, the, and I go, I'm so sorry, Mr. Bitch. And he loved it so much uh, <laughs> that at the end, because like I saw the smile at the end of it, as you walk away, I just start thinking, Mr. Bitch, Mr. Bitch, like TMZ style, trying to get his attention back. And we did like four more promo videos of that because he just enjoyed it so much. And that's what, that, that's so Joey. Like that just whole thing, like, yeah, I came up with that. I improvised the Mr. Bitch stuff. But like that whole thing is just Joey Mayberry. He's such, he's so, he's so creative. He's so, uh, fun while being him suit yourself. All I have to say, me and me and Moondog have had complete opposite dreams of Mateo and Joey. Uh, Moondog, by choice, uh, doesn't really do a lot of like flamboyance or like uh, queer representation in his wrestling. He's a fucking Moondog. Like his gimmick is like the Moondogs, right? And like he does wear um, uh, rainbow bandanas out to the ring, I believe. Um, I don't remember every time I've I've been at Moondog Murray show I've either been wrestling in the same battle royal or like doing other matches so I don't really know what he wears I'm pretty sure he wears a rainbow thing out I have I've, seen, I've seen him do that but, um, a lot like so. It, yeah so like so he gets to have that part of it but like his ring style his gimmick is old school so he's not being flamboy he's fucking hitting you with a bone and biting your head and that's okay because that's queer wrestling too and me if you go back, like, don't, like, don't, but if you go back and watch everything that's available on YouTube, I think I have, like, a collection. I think I've only wrestled 25 matches at most. 
maybe 30 now. I think, I think I've pushed it to 30. Um, that feels so weird to say when I'm about to wrestle Ziggy Heim. I feel like, so that, <laughs> we'll get back to that because that that, 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 that's a sense of imposter syndrome that I want to talk about um, because I just want people to know that exists in wrestling. But anyways, yes, so I've had like 30 matches in my entire career so far. Um, and like, I think like 10 of them are online um, in various places. But if you go back and you watch my evolution, you will see um, someone who's pre- uh, presenting themselves as a very typical heterosexual male. <laughs> like I used to, like but back when adolescence first became a thing, uh, like I, the, like we, we lean way, cause so NLS, we like to say NLS is about three things. It's about being, um, it's about being uh, uh, punk as fuck, gay as fuck and, uh, and hood as fuck. Because like I'm from Flint, Michigan, I grew up in in like a really bad neighborhood. Uh, uh, both uh, Jax and Saban grew up in Chicago. Saban more in the outskirts, but Jax lives in the South Side. Like me and Jax live on the South Side of Toronto right now. Mm-hmm. He grew up in the South Side from Inglewood to South Shore. To now, I think now he lives. I think he lives in South Shore still now. And I, ever since I moved to Chicago, I have moved in and around the West and South Sides. Um, from 60th Street and I'm okay. I live on 73rd now. I lived over in Cicero and Berwyn and uh, 53rd down there by the by the airport. That means nothing to anyone outside of Chicago. But basically, <laughs> to say, like we we've all been in in and around just bad situations. But that doesn't mean that being hood air quotes is bad. Like. It it's just it is not it's not a, a a thuggish thing. It just is what it is, right? We listen to rap music and we like to like wear fucking ski mask and like we just think it looks cool. Like we think it's cool. We had we grow we grew up having to fight for our lives. Literally, I grew up in fucking Flint, Michigan. My city still doesn't have clean water, right? Like we we grew up having to fight for our lives and we want to incorporate that into our wrestling. When we first started NLS, we went full. Like, I was wrestling in basketball jerseys. I was doing my best fucking Eddie Kingston impression. Like, go watch some of those early NLS matches. Uh, one, like, if you go, you can go to Articulator, Steve Kenton's uh, YouTube channel, NLS versus Doom Montgomery and Austin Adams. Uh, it's not my normal tag partner. It's my tag partner's tag partner, uh, who was an unofficial member of NLS for that day, uh, Lee Metallic who got injured recently and just a speedy recovery to him. I love him Mm -hmm. so much. Um, But like, I like, you would never be able to tell that I am me. And now I'm wrestling in full ass makeup and I'm wearing uh, like very obviously stuffed sports bras in the ring. And like, I'm still keeping, I I still keep the same aesthetic uh, of punk hood queer, but like just the evolution that I've had to do, I'm still doing it. Like, I still have such bad imposter syndrome with am I queer enough in the ring because mm-hmm. I am not a flamboyant person, but I'm a trans woman and like I'm a lesbian. So like I, I'm always feeling, and this is not good, but I'm always feeling like I am trying to prove to the world that I am not just a straight heterosexual male. No, I mean, uh, excuse me. I like, that's a very like, topical thing honestly i feel like yeah. because well speaking to imposter syndrome well let me speak on 
one thing first, and then we'll come back to the imposter syndrome, because I think that's a topic that can span many, many, many different facets, pro wrestling and beyond. Um, I love the fact that, that, you know, you talk about how the origins of, of NLS and, and the idea and the ethos behind NLS in that way, and how it speaks to all of your experiences and Jack's experiences and Saban's experiences in that way and where you grew up and pulling those culture things and really using that stuff to punch at these like social definitions that we have of these terms. Like, mm-hmm. let's be real. The main reason why that you're, I feel like at least for, to me, like taking like all that time to explain that, like, you know, being hood as fuck is not necessarily like talking about being like, thuggish or whatever is because that that term and has been demonized in a way you know and that like you know so much so that just to represent like that sort of background that that you had and where you grew up the environment that you came out of and that formed you and, and that informed your development in that way like you no one should have to defend it like that against some fucking stupid social idea you know, um, and that speaks as well to a lot of the the queer <laughs> identity things as well. Like you speak about not feeling like you're queer enough in the ring and, and that you're not queer enough in wrestling and that sort of thing. Like, I feel like I hear that from a lot of people, especially um, in recent years, just is just because um, once again, we have this like social construct. Yeah that's been like built into our brains, especially specifically with LGBTQ representation and pro wrestling for the longest time, the historic nature of it, you know, where it was really all gay panic and it was all super flamboyant to the point that like, you know, if you aren't embodying, if you, if you weren't embodying that, say like five years ago, then are you actually like perceived in that way? as Mm -hmm. as being queer or being gay in in the ring and i one of the things that i've loved the most about watching this like evolution and this development of queer identities and pro wrestling over the past few years is the diversification of it and the the ability to that so many people have shown that like you don't there's not one way to be queer in pro wrestling there are so many different ways it's a multitude and i you know i think that the way that that you've transitioned and the way that you've like evolved your presentation in the ring um in that way has been really uh, fun to watch because it's almost like watching you embrace more of yourself in real time the more Mm -hmm. like because like you look at what you like the proving grounds footage up until like some of the stuff you've been doing with hybrid it is a yeah. complete 180, and it seems like you were just taking hold of more and more of yourself every time that that we see you like stepping into the ring in that way. Um, I don't know if you had anything to talk about that, but I, like that that feeds back into the imposter syndrome discussion. Yeah. So, so 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 I I have I have two statements, uh, yeah. and then we get to the imposter syndrome because I think it does all together. I I really 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 want to say this. I want to preface this with. This is not aimed at literally anybody. People listening, when I say this statement, are going to think of one or two names. I promise you, I'm, I'm speaking to those two people if they ever hear this, this is not about you specifically. If you are going 
to do any gimmick in pro wrestling, but specifically gimmicks um, or include facets of your real life that have been used as gimmicks, you need to make sure that, it, that you yourself, but more importantly, the fans understand that you are doing it from a place of actual true understanding of those facets of your, of your life that you are making your gimmick and you are doing it with the most good faith possible. I am a white human. I, I grew up in a very bad place. I was pretty much raised uh, outside of my family by uh, African-American people who I love dearly. Um, I, I, my, my best friend, my literal best friend is Jack Johnson, um, who I call my twin for a reason. Um, like the, the, I, I have been indebted and indebted is the best word. I have been indebted to African-American culture because that's where I, I just happened to have been born. I, for some reason, that's where I was plopped in my life. And so while I grew up around it, I was lucky enough to be able to, be, to grow up in that culture. And if I'm going to use any of it for even a second in pro wrestling, something that is not mine to use, but I just so have, I'm just so ha happen to have been influenced and bathed in it. I don't want a single person to ever, ever, ever be able to point at me and be like, they are using it for their own personal gain. They do not know anything about it. They don't care about this culture. This is, they are doing it in bad faith. I don't want them using that. And if that ever becomes a thing, I will strip every last perceived part of that identity from my gimmick, air quotes. Um, and I think that goes for, for non-queer people using flamboyance and queer things. It's possible you can. Um, I am very, very, very much into the idea that identities and queer identities are fluid and you don't necessarily have to be queer or, or identify yourself as queer to be queer or to, ha to have parts of the queer identity community form your personality outside of wrestling. So why is that different from in wrestling? I think the same thing with uh, African-American culture, with Hispanic culture, with any culture. But the most important thing is you need to make sure it's coming from a place of love, coming from a place of knowledge and not ignorance. And it is, uh, it is in good faith. And while I am saying that, I need to recognize the fact that I do not have the ability to mandate that to anybody. Those are, that's my advice. That is the way I live my life. But I can't tell any wrestler that they have to do those things when it comes to incorporating uh, specifically African-American or Black culture um, in, into their wrestling gimmick or into their life at all, because that's not my place to mandate that. However, I've had this conversation with Jax Johnson, and he thinks that that's the right way to do it. Uh, he's, he'd be the first one to call me out if, I, if I'm talking bullshit. Um, uh, Don't Die Miles is one of my best friends. Uh, Cameron Saturn is one of my best friends. Um, I love that crew. Uh, I've learned so much from them and from, from Freddie Hudson. And I'm, I know, I know Miles and I know Jay, like Jay, Jay will, if, if Miles was ever uncomfortable with anything I'm doing, Jay will be the first one to let me know. And not in a nice way either. Jay will pull me aside and say, Coda, what the fuck are you doing? Cause yep. me, and, me and Jay have that, well, one, that's just how Jay is, but me and Jay have that rapport. Jay knows if I do literally anything that they think they or Miles think is sus, 
or suspect or whatever. They have the every right in the world to be like, Coda, what, get, the, get your fucking shit together because Jay knows me and Miles knows me and H- Freddie knows me and Cam knows me and Saban knows me and Jax knows me and they know what I'm doing. But you at home, you may not know me and that's okay. And if you are uncomfortable with me incorporating the little bits of black culture that I do, um, I would just ask that you, one, sure, you're valid. Please let me know. Like my DMs are always open. I'll take hate mail. Give me your hate mail. I don't care. Like just talk to me. Can you talk to me, please? Um, hate mail. Otherwise, I love I love talking to people. I talk too much. But yeah, no. I, I I like I said, there there is there has been many most recent examples, um, both in the black culture and LGBTQ culture, and how you're supposed to use it. And uh, there's been a lot of uh, prote- uh, main characters of Twitter. Uh, that like to you that that get people talking about these points specifically, but it's not my place to call any names. Um, I just want to share my thoughts behind it as someone who uses parts of Black culture because my tag partner is a part of Black culture and I grew up in Black culture or not in it because I can never be in it, but uh, surrounded by it. That's the main point. And then getting back to the to the um, the whole per- the whole point of uh, like imposter syndrome that goes into it right like i i should not be having the opportunities i have um i mean uh, yeah like just imposter syndrome sucks because you're always just questioning whether what you're doing is good whether it's uh whether it's going to be causing you backlash um and just really anxiety ridden i did want to real quick i did want to go back to um something you said about the progression of me as a person and as a character and you can see it on in wrestling yeah i'm really excited for the uh for the ewe breakout tournament to be released um because there are some matches in there and i'm trying not to spoil things but there's some matches in there um read into that what you like that i think at least at the time really we're probably probably some of the most hard-hitting and more like uh, work one of the matches is super super giffy but it's like just non-stop constant constant and one of the matches is super like not work rate but like probably the most work rate match i've ever had um and mm-hmm. i just I, I i love testing myself um i love doing as many different styles of wrestling as i can if you go watch the nls versus n-words match from berwin championship wrestling uh back in like october november uh that's basically a comedy match um and bryce benjamin and acid jazz are two people who i owe a lot to um but yeah yeah watch me evolve or something i'm a pokemon or like a digimon <laughs> Digivolve, go. There you Bakugan. go. Do, do Bakugans uh, evolve? I they, don't know. They might. I don't know. That might be something you have to ask Kit Bandit. Um, I, I can. I'm March 5th. Um, there you go. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Tie the bed together. Segway. Let's get it. Uh, we're professionals, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but like imposter syndrome is, is a topic that, that I think doesn't get discussed enough not just in pro wrestling circles, but in uh, many different circles, because I feel like it, it affects like anybody that really anybody, let them no other qualifier on that. Uh, yeah. Like it's very easy to feel like you look around and feel like you don't 
deserve to be in, in a spot or you don't deserve to like be surrounded by peers or whatever like i feel that on a daily basis <laughs> so like i totally understand where, where that comes from but it's also important to kind of find a way to take a step back from that and to realize that you do actually deserve the opportunities that you are that you're given because if you in in many cases if you didn't deserve it then you wouldn't get it obviously mm. we're not talking about like cis white straight dudes here but because like that that's that's the outlier in all of this <laughs> but the majority outlier i love it <laughs> exactly shout out straighties anyway um but but yeah like it it it, it can be debilitating it can it can really like get and worm its way into your head in, in a way and, and really drag you down but um and i say this to you i say this to like pretty much anybody that that i speak to like it and it's a valid thought like you deserve the spots that you get whether you create them yourself or whether they're like you know given to you by someone else that you work with like the work you put into these things and, and the work that you put into developing not just yourself, but also um, the idea of like change around you. Like that is all very, very um, poignant and deserve deserving of recognition. So mm -hmm. I, I say to you, like I know that we, we both struggle with that. So many other people struggle with that. And I struggle telling myself this a lot of the time, but Yo, you you deserve the spot. You deserve to get the shit kicked out of you by Ziggy on March fifth. I appreciate that. Like I said, imposter syndrome sucks. Um, I mean, I, I I don't know. I guess, I guess one of the main things with imposter syndrome that I struggle with a lot um, is that you can do bad things. You can make mistakes. You can be a victim of tragedy you could be a victim of tragedy of your own design and you can still deserve good things you can be in a slump you can be poor you can be behind on bills you can be in debt you can you can be you you can have people mad at you with you for good reason be via just be situations of uh owing them stuff thanks obviously you have to and all debts will be paid one day whether it is uh via social consequences or just catching up on them um, that's something I am dealing with right now. I had a lot of bad things happen and I got way behind on a lot of things. Like, not even just monetary, like forget monetary. Like, let's just talk like social uh, things I need to do for people. Um, I Depression got really bad. So I stopped talking to a lot of people and got perceived to um, just be ignoring and leaving people. And maybe I was, maybe I was abandoning people, but that's what I need to do at that time. And it sucks, but it doesn't mean I don't deserve good things. Doesn't mean that I'm not wrong um, in those situations, and I wasn't the bad person in those situations. But you still deserve good things, and even if you are relatively new and you're the one literally booking the show, and your friends are financing the show, you can still deserve to get your ass kicked by Ziggy Hive. 
and that's that that is that is the that is the end goal here um even if you like yeah like i don't know i'm super hyped for march 5th to bring it all back to march 5th real quick uh not to end anything because I'm, I'm having a great time talking to you but just to kind of like take all the imposter syndrome and everything we've talked about of doing things the right way and the uh, many different ways to be queer um and the many different ways to be whatever identity you want to be to wrap it all up to finish the circular logic and reasoning march 5th shouldn't happen it should not exist there is no reason this show should be going on three independent kids with no backing besides the money that that we are pulling together that honestly we don't have to spend on the show that we are taking away this is not not we let me let me be real clear Jax johnson is pretty much completely funding the show saban's helping i have been in a very bad financial situation that i was supposed to help i just haven't been able to so while this is my show this isn't my show Jax has been funding this thing Jax was the, is the only reason why the show exists because he took a stupid joke i made and fucking book a, booked a venue um <laughs> and he just let literally we told the story on the um we told the story we both were on the when podcast but we were at a show for lucha libre total setting up the ring and i looked to jack said how much would it cost to run a wrestling show and he said i don't know 3k and i said could we do that and he said maybe he goes outside to, to, to for take a break for a second and come back and says i booked the burwood eagles club and i'm like you did what he said yeah i'm gonna go tomorrow and pay him off i'm like i was joking and he said nah we're running a show here you go book the show um and the show has seen many iterations, many different matches, um, uh, but now we have this, and it shouldn't exist. It, like it should exist. There should be more queer shows. I'm not saying queer shows shouldn't exist or this particular queer show shouldn't exist, but NLS is for everyone should not exist. We were way in our head. This this has been not a nightmare, but it's been it's been pretty crazy behind the scenes. This should not exist, but it does. And I don't know about anyone else on that show. I don't know about Joey Mayberry, who's getting to wrestle for the as a fucking enjoy a Pittsburgh company, letting us def- have their belt defended on our stupid Chicago indie show. Um, I, I don't know about Envy Young. Um, I don't know about Don't Die Miles, who a oh, Indiana company letting us our defend our indie show or their belt or main title on our stupid indie show with um, the New Wave Pro title against Marche Rocket. I don't know about Cam Saturn, Davey Bang, uh, fucking Eric Schultz, Du Montgomery, who gets to wrestle Vic Capri, which if you don't know Vic fucking Capri, man, that dude's a legend. Uh, that's going to be a bloodbath. If you think me and Ziggy are going to beat the shit out of each other, wait until Du Montgomery, a literal MMA-trained guy who, who entire inspiration is Japanese wrestling and has been training for like a year and a half, less time than I have, wrestling for less time than I have, but will kick the shit out of you, gets to wrestle against someone who will let him kick the shit out of him. It's a beautiful recipe. I don't know about anybody else, but this show should not exist. So I'm going to take this opportunity and do whatever it takes. And if this show never exists again, if NLS never runs another show, um, which we may not, we have so many stupid ideas for the future, but like, I don't know if I ever want to run a show again. Um, I say that as uh, as 
one of my goals is to run an American Joshi promotion. We won't talk about that though, because um, that will never <laughs> exist ever. That's never going to exist. Um, it, Q, play this back in 2025 when me and Jack Johnson have a, jo- a Joshi promotion in America. But um, like, <laughs> I'm going to take this opportunity and have fun. And if I shit the bed, if I fail for whatever reason, and this is the worst match I've ever wrestled, I fucking did it. And if this show, we, we have, I think, 50 tickets sold right now. If all we have is those 50 fans that paid and the significant other of the rest is in the back and we can barely fill the front row, who fucking cares? We did this. This is going to live forever on IWTV. We have that deal signed. This will be on IWTV. If it's the shittiest show to ever be a shitty show, it's going to be on IWTV. If everyone comes in and, like, literally every single match, someone breaks their leg this show existed whether it should have or not whether it's garbage or not the show existed and i'm fucking proud of it all right yens thank you so much for tuning into lgbt in the ring Uh, we'll get right back into the thick of things but i do want to take a pause real quick and say thank you to some amazing people that make this show as rad as it is Starting off with Daniel Quasar, the Progress Pride Black design by Daniel Quasar is a product of Progress Initiative. You can find out more at Quasar.digital. A big thank you to Sarah in the Safe Word for the show's theme song, Formula 666, off the album Red Hot and Holy. You can find them on Twitter at STSW Band, and you can check out their music on both Spotify and Bandcamp at sarahinthesafeword.bandcamp.com. Um, check out independentwrestling.tv for the best in current and classic independent pro wrestling, including live events from top independent promotions worldwide. Uh, you can use our promo code LGBTRingPod or visit tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT and peruse their entire library uh, over there at independentwrestling.tv. Once again, promo code LGBTRingPod or go to tinyurl.com slash IWTVLGBT check out that service uh, you can follow the show on twitter at lgbt ring pod you can follow me on twitter at wonderboyotm and if you're into video games definitely check out my video game news show the mr video game super show i co-host that with uh, twitch streamers slacker kite and lady Merwin every monday at 8 p.m eastern 5 p.m pacific over on twitch.tv slash dead sun entertainment uh, it's your weekly roundup of gaming news, uh, and it's always a blast. So once again, check that out every Monday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, over at twitch.tv slash deadsunentertainment, sun like the star. We'll be right back with more LGBT in the ring. That's the attitude to have, honestly. You know, and like hearing you talk about say and saying that, you know, this show shouldn't exist in that way. It just, it reminds me of like so much that we've seen from underrepresented communities um, in, in, in the form of like creating spaces for themselves and that, and that sort of thing. Yeah. It really, it just really speaks, speaks to that because I mean, let's be real, like up until maybe like four, three years ago, like I don't think many people thought that queer shows belonged in pro wrestling, <laughs> to be yeah. frank, you know. Um, that and and it's just it's just amazing to see like the people that do take like the reins in, in that way and and carve out those spaces for themselves and for their communities, you know. And and we're seeing that flourish now. So 
like in some ways, like it feels like this is the perfect time for NLSs for everyone because it speaks to a spirit that is continuing to spread um, throughout pro wrestling, and not just for the queer community, but you know, yeah, for for women, for people of color, for Black pro wrestling specifically. We just we're coming off of like a two week span here where we've had Black Wrestlers Matter run St. Louis, we had Fight Club tear it down in DC, mm-hmm. we've had OWA in Ohio. They yep. You know, their good trouble shows are always good. Um, so many different companies like throughout the country that are speaking to communities that want to see themselves represented authentically um, in, in a pro wrestling ring. And NLS is for everyone just kind of adds to that pile in, in a way that is needed. Um, and there is one like very special thing with the show that, that is it's special to me. And that is the fact that you have Don't Die Miles wrestling in chicago for the first time main eventing yeah spoiler oh so there we go. so that so so yeah so uh it was announced that uh let, let's let's be very transparent here and i'm not gonna talk much about it because this is something that uh it's not my story to tell um but recently it came out um that Saban gage one of my best friends uh had when they were 15 made some stupid and I'm, I, I it, it, it's out there for you to find out. Like the, the story is told. You can find his apology on his Twitter. Um, and me and Jackson have a really tough conversation about, we had to talk to, to a lot of the wrestlers on there. We didn't talk to everybody. So if you're wrestling on the show, like you were, uh, you were tat. When, when this whole thing came out, the person who did it, uh, the, that we honestly think was like meant, like we think the incident happened because they were trying to take down the show um, because the way that the tweets came out, they were specifically searching for those terms. Um, and we believe they went to me, couldn't find any. If you go to my Twitter and you search uh, the slurs uh, for gay people and black people, you will not find them on there. Um, they weren't deleted either. I just have never used them. Um, well, I mean, and, and I have used that slur for gay people. I'm gay. So fuck off um like i'm a lesbian i can i can use that term and i mean that with all with all with all disrespect if you think me using the slur for gay people is bad fuck you um because <laughs> uh, that's my choice uh but anyways the point is like we 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 believe that this was a smear attack but that does not change the fact that when Saban gage was 15 living in a very Hispanic community, a uh, very rich Hispanic community, or not rich, but like well-off Hispanic community, he thought it was okay to use those things. And we have talked to uh, a decent amount of the uh, black and gay uh, wrestlers on the show because um, everyone was tagged. Like literally everyone was tagged by this account that had no followers, just, just spamming everyone. Um, and most of them, no one has said they wanted Saban Gage off the show. So Saban Gage is, is on the show still. Um, we want to maintain that for the transparency. However, we did not penalize him because a lot because every single person that we talked to said that that's not the Saban Gage they know. That's like th- that was literally they believe that was a child who um, didn't who who was ignorant and got better and through everything he has done to support the, the, the queer and black community deserves a chance to be recognized for what he's done and not what he said on Twitter when he was 15, um, which I have my opinions on Twitter and things you say. Um, but 
that's neither here nor there. This is not my story. I just want to give the context. Uh, he was supposed to main event against Anthony Henry. He is still wrestling Anthony Henry, but he will not main event the show because I did not feel comfortable having, even one of my best friends, uh, having someone who at any point in time use those turns on a public uh, platform, main eventing a show that while we here at LGBT in the, this po- on this podcast, right, LGBT in the ring, are focusing on the queer aspect, it isn't just that. It's about minorities in general. If you look at that card, every single match besides two has at least one minority, be it a, a female, um, an LGBTQ member, um, a Black person, a Hispanic person, um, any minority. Every match except for two has at least one. Most matches have their entire match full of them. Uh, my match, um, the triple threat, Joey versus MV Young, Jax versus Acid Jazz, Miles versus Marche, uh, Cam versus Davey Bang. Um, like that's six matches right there. And all of them are, that's half the show. All uh, people, all, all minorities. I don't know if Aesop Mitchell is LGBT, but two thirds of that, of, of, of that match uh, is, uh, is LGBT, is, L, is uh, LGBT in a minority. All I'll say, so like, while we're, we're focusing on the queer part, it's not just queer, it's, it's minorities in general. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know they're better, even though they've changed, even though I trust them 100% not to have a hateful part of their heart for queer people. And if, they, if I thought they did, if I thought for even a second that anyone thought even had any bad ill will they would not be on the show my friend or not i i am a very to the point per bitch and i will cut a bitch off my show i do not care um i i just don't because you know i'm a i'm a sexual assault survivor i am a queer person um i grew up in flint michigan i i don't have time to transfer shit to me like fist fight is that a bad mentality probably but it's my mentality and I love it. Um, anyways, but yeah, so Marche and Miles main eventing because we want to showcase one that we are, we, we are, we mean what we say when we say this is inclusive and this is for everyone. And this is, we want this to be in a diverse and inclusive experience. And honestly, Miles should have been the main event anyways. Miles is basically a member of NLS. Uh, they have done so much for me. Back that story about me training at, for, with Billy Rock a week after my collarbone, uh, I took a Greyhound to Indianapolis, and Miles and Jay and Freddie picked me up at, at Indianapolis Greyhound Station and drove me to the seminar and drove me to a hotel in Indianapolis mm. uh, after the seminar. They have been a part of my journey since April, since April, May. Um, and so it, looking back, Miles should have been main event from the beginning, and I'm glad we were able to uh, to uh, to rectify that. I hate the situation um, that had to rectify it, but I am glad we were able to rectify that and let Miles main event his hometown debut for a title against a legend in Marche Rocket. Yeah, it's it's a hell of a match, honestly, and. There's honestly there's there's matches up and down the card that feel that way too, and I, it's it's right for 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 you to address 
the situation with Saban there. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I think it's, um, I think that's a, a good route to like speak to the people that are on the show and, and to really address, take that head on because we've seen so much just in the past year. Yeah. Um, year and a half with, when it comes to pro wrestling and looking back at like how speaking out has really kind of unfolded um, over the, over that time and how many people have actually faced um, any kind of consequences uh, for, for, for their actions there. Uh, as well as other places in pro wrestling, seems like there's something new almost every fucking week um, in that way. But you know, at the same time, it's it's refreshing to hear like someone that's in a position of booking a show like this to put their foot down on this sort of thing. Not to say that there aren't other people doing that or that aren't taking these issues head on in that way, but you know. Especially for someone like you, who like this is the first time they've ever booked anything like this. This is the first time that you and Jax and Saban have really put anything together like this, and to make that a point from like the the jump, yeah, to, to be upfront about that is it. It's honestly the right way these things should be handled, you know. Yeah, and I, like like I said, I I debated even talking about it on this podcast, right? Because it's out there, like like. Like I said, literally everyone got spammed. Uh, this happened like the last weekend as we were recording this. Like literally everyone involved in the show got spammed with these with these pictures. But I I, I think it's right to talk about it because, like, like I said, like I, like I said earlier, and this wasn't about saying what I said earlier about me personally. Um, but like everyone makes mistakes, and our consequences. Uh, just because you made a mistake, does that mean you don't face the consequences? No. I, I really, really, really mean this when I say that if we as uh, me and Jax and the rest of the talent thought it was the right thing to do, I would have had no problem taking away what is the biggest match of saving Gage's career. I would have, you know, because we, we had two people call off uh, before that. So we had Axel Rico had to step away for personal issues. Um, we had Matt Nix had to step away for personal issues. Uh, Jack Moody, uh, indie guy from Chicago, is stepping in for Axel's spot in the in the uh, scramble, and Davy Bang is replacing Matt Nix, another Chicago guy, Davy Bang, replacing Matt Nix uh, in the Camp Center match. But if I, for a second, thought the best thing to do would take away that match to engage, either Jack Johnson or Cam Saturn would have been wrestling Anthony Henry. No bones about it. I would have done that in a fucking heartbeat. And I love Saving Gage. Saving Gage is one of my is my, is my brother. But if I thought that that it was the right thing to do, I would have done it in a second. I don't, um, but I do think it is right to state that and give that context um, because it is the biggest match of his career. It is a high-profile match. This match will live forever on IWTV. Um, and we just wanted to give out our reasoning, even though we don't necessarily have to. But there you go. I, sh- I overshared, so it's fine. <laughs> no, I, I appreciate it. I appreciate you, like addressing it honestly because like i think that pro wrestling can always use a bit more transparency at times you know so mm. i i feel you there well um as we start to wind down here a little bit i did uh want to talk about one more match on the show uh the mm-hmm. match we are sponsoring um, yes here because mateo valentine russell rogue um two of honestly the two of my favorite people to watch uh, in the ring over the past couple of years 
Um, it's just, I love the fact that they are that they're in this match along with Aesop and they're getting this opportunity. Russell obviously has not wrestled a ton since the pandemic hit. I think this is mm-hmm. only their like second or third match. I think since the since the pandemic, um, Mateo is so entrenched in the Chicago scene, so entrenched in, when it comes to. Um, you know, queer wrestling as well there. I, like, I, I, it, I, I light up anytime I see, like, him and Joey put, putting anything up there or anytime that I see, like, him and, and Lo McGrath hanging out yes. or something like that. Like, it's just, it's just, there's just something, there's a, there's a spirit about Mateo that emanates this joy and this confidence, but at the same time, he is very quick to call out bullshit mm-hmm. and and to Mateo's not mince words. Mateo's called my bullshit out so many times. Yeah. I love Mateo to death. <laughs> Talk to me about about putting this match together. Like, where did this? Where did the idea for for putting Russell and Mateo and Aesop together come from for you? So this match is probably the only match that remains of the original idea. And I think the original card too. I think this is the only match that remains of the original card. Um, uh, and, it, and it doesn't remain in its original form, but it's the only match that remains of the true sink or swim mentality. Mm. We asked Mateo who he wanted to wrestle. He gave us a list of two of three names, one of whom we can't, we can get a hold of Devin Monroe. Um, and the other two were Tyler Sullivan and Russell Rogue. And he wanted to have different matches with each. And I said, no, you're going to triple threat. You can do whatever you want. We can, we're going to give him time to do some, some gimmicks beforehand. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, obviously, I'm not going to spoil what it is. But I'm really excited for what Mateo has been talking about wanting to do with this match. Um, aesthetically, and not even just wrestling, but just outside of wrestling. Right? And so this was the match that we just wanted to see what Mateo could do. Um, it was originally going to be the opener, but now it's going to open the second, uh, the second part. We're going to have three parts of the show, 12 matches, two intermissions. It's going to be – this is basically what if musical theater kids and hip-hop kids made a wrestling show. I was about to so say 3X have, structure. <laughs> and, and, and like Mateo – so let me just say this real quick. Mateo, if you're listening, I love you so much. We would not have been able to get this far about Mateo. Mateo is stage managing. Mateo – volunteered themselves to stage manage and at first i was like mateo just come in do whatever the hell they want and they're just taking over and i was like a little bit at first but i was like wait why am i why am i complaining they're just doing a lot of the work for us and they want to and okay cool here you go but mateo is super great and like he he, he has structured uh he like he got everyone's pronouns he, like, we have a whole pronoun sheet for everyone involved we have like uh, all the notes set up. They like made like a full ass like spreadsheet that they're gonna post up all over the venue. But Taylor went like above and beyond, and we wanted to reward them with a match they wanted. So it was gonna be Tyler Sullivan and it was gonna be Russ Rogue. Um, and then Tyler Sullivan got injured, so we asked Mateo, "Who do you want?" He said, "I want Aesop Mitchell." So he said, "Okay, Aesop Mitchell is yours." And I just like legitimately like that, that, that's a built because Mateo, who do you want? This guy, this guy. Uh, okay, this guy's out. Uh, this guy. All right, have fun. Don't die. 
<laughs> God. Like, like, so many of those matches, like, and we'll, we'll get back to that match because I really wanted to hit, the, hit that match home because uh, you are sponsoring it and we're super grateful that you are um, because it, we think it's going to be really great and it's opening the second half, so it'll be, it'll be, it'll be fun. Um, however, like, so many of those matches are that, right? Like, from the very, the very first match with the scramble, uh, the scramble was originally supposed to have so many more, like, local, like, our guys, like, our trainees. But then it was just, like, we put them in their own matches, and we blow the card too much, and we're like, who are we going to put in the scramble? Uh, this guy's cool. He's in the scramble. Uh, this guy's cool. He's in the scramble. <laughs> he, he's just going to show up. He's in the scramble. All right. That, that's the scramble. Um, Eric versus uh, Gary J was literally just, like, uh, we Axel Rico was supposed to wrestle – um, someone else, Isaiah Velasquez, and then uh, I think was who we could fit, we could try to get in, just the indie guy, but he couldn't do it, so we got Gary J for him. He was like, I don't need that match. Like, like that's not, that's one of the trainees that need that match. So, uh, Eric, who uh, is doing a really fun lawyer gimmick in Chicago, was actually my tag partner at one point when I was Neon Noise. Which, fun fact, <laughs> the the picture you use in the QWI is me and Eric in a Neon Neon Noise uh, wannabe <laughs> rocker gimmick. That's that was a fun gimmick that happened for a while. Um, rest in peace, Neon Noise. Rest in peace. Uh, I I hated and loved that gimmick so much. We came up with that gimmick um, because. For my very first debut match, neither of us wanted to use our gimmicks. At the time, he was a lawyer. He still is. At the time, I was the vibe lord. I was basically Jody, but without the cocaine. Mm-hmm. Jody, uh, uh, Jody himself. Basically, Jody himself without the perceived cocaine uh, usage. I don't know if Jody does cocaine. I don't want to slander Jody. But come on, Jody. Your gimmick is just Juice World on extra, extra cocaine as a wrestler. You know this. Like, you know this, Jody. That's your gimmick. Come on now. Um... <laughs> Uh, I, I, I've never met Jody. I've talked to him once in a Twitter space. I love Jody. So good. Um, anyways, that's the point. The point was, so at the time, I was basically just Jody, but less cocaine. Um, and neither of us wanted to ruin our gimmick by just doing the throwaway squash tag team. So we created Neon Noise. He was kids kind of kick drum, and I was Ripcord, which is a name from the Cornellverse on TEW, Total Extreme Wrestling, the booking game. Um, which it like I completely stole that name. Great name. Love Ripcord. Rest in peace, Ripcord. Anyways, Eric is wrestling Gary because we need someone to wrestle Gary J. We're like, you, you wrestle, you want this big matchup? Here you go. You're our friend. This will be good for you. Um uh Joey MV was literally because we on a whim decided we wanted to book MV Young because and I shit you not, we were sitting in my house, me and Jax. And we were we were we were just trying to figure out who to give Joey Mayberry because we had no idea who we wanted to give Joey Mayberry. And he was scrolling through his Twitter to see who he fo- who followed him. And Envy Young for some reason followed Jack uh, followed Jack Johnson at the time. And he just DM'd it with like and we we're like, can we get Envy Young? He's like, why the hell not? DM Envy Young. You want to work the show? What's your right? And we're like, that works. Cool. I guess we're booking Envy Young. Don't know why we're doing that. And then literally in January, uh, MV sent us promo pictures and one of them had the Enjoy title. And so I, t- I turned to Jack and I go, can we use that belt? And Jack goes, hey, MV, can you defend the belt? And MV goes, yes. And we go, cool, that's the title. That's a match now, title match. Sure, why not? Um, and we can literally go for the entire card. Uh, Matt Nix versus Cam Saturday because Cam Saturday was supposed to be in the scramble match, but we got Matt Nix to agree to do the show. And we're like, 
hey, Cam, you want to wrestle this freelance guy? And Cam was like, I love Matt Nix. Yes. And then Matt Nix had to pull out. So we're like, okay, uh, freelance guy, Davey Bang. You're wrestling Davey Bang now. Go do flippy shit. Um, the match between Marche and Miles was because we, we, we knew we wanted to have Miles uh, wrestle. This was before he was the new wave champion. So this, that was not even a thought in our mind. And we were trying to figure out who we wanted to wrestle, uh, have Miles wrestle. And literally, I, we're at CSW. I look over, I see Marche. I'm like, Marche, are you free March 5th? Yeah. Can you wrestle? You want to wrestle Don't Die Miles? Sh- sure. Cool. We're going to do that. Thanks. What's your rate? And literally, we didn't even ask him his rate. We're, he like, we're walking away. He's like, do you want to know my rate? We're like, yeah, just send us a DM. We'll pay it. And that, <laughs> that was probably not the best mentality. But, uh, but like, and that's probably an exaggeration. But that, that's how it feels like. Like, every single one of these matches, uh, Jack was supposed to wrestle a pure rules match against our trainer, Jason Hades. Um, one of our trainers, Jason Hades, but he had to pull out for personal reasons in January. So we're like, uh, Acid Jazz is one of our OGs. We love Acid Jazz. You can just wrestle Acid Jazz. Um, Saban Gavers and Anthony Henry was supposed to be Saban Gavers and Jordan Oliver. We were literally just like sent DMs to seven wrestlers. Anthony Henry was the first to respond out of less than like six indie names that we sent to. And that's just why we did it. And that's the story of the entire card. Uh, that tag, the fucking gigantic tag match, this will be the last one I, I talk about, I promise, but that tag match legitimately was just supposed to be the N-words of Acid Jazz and Bryce Benjamin uh, versus CNC Destruction. But then that match got changed and Bryce was being scrambled, but then Bryce got turned off the show uh, for a lot of reasons. You can go listen to Bryce Benjamin's podcast, Let's Talk, you want to know the details about that. That's not my story to tell. Um, but basically... Uh, uh, and we love Bryce. We also love Matt Nix. Uh, you know, it is what it is, that whole situation. Um, that's Chicago beef. Let's go. Um, anyways, uh, and we're not talking Portillo's either. Um, anyways, that was a bad joke. I hate myself. Um, You're fine. No. Uh, so anyways, the tag match is probably out of, out of control. And it was originally supposed to be CNC versus As AZZ, which is a training tag team. And then Von England agreed to be on the show. And then Kid Bandit agreed to be on the show and we didn't have anything for him. So we just took one of our training partners that liked Kid Bandit, uh, uh, Adam Stallion, and said, you're a tag team. And he's like, yes, I like this very much. And we're like, all right, cool. That's a match now. <laughs> <laughs> it all feels like at the, same, at, at the same time, very well planned in some ways, but also just very fly by the seat. <laughs> that, that's just who we are as humans. Like, we yeah. are very chaotic. Like um, uh, going back to, I do the social deduction games. I have a very unique play style in that game uh, and in multiple games because the very first, the thing I do in any game or in any wrestling match or in anything really is the first thought, like the first plan that comes to my mind that fits three criteria. It's fun for me and that's why I don't get bored. Is in good faith and doesn't harm anybody and also will be fun for the, anyone else involved. If if an idea that I have in my mind fits all those three criteria, I'm doing it. No questions asked. That's what I'm doing. Um, it's gotten me in trouble, but it's a pretty decent way to live life, I think. It's a very fun way to live life, at the very least. <laughs> Certainly sounds like it. Well, But yes, we're, we're super grateful to have LGBT in the ring oh. sponsoring uh, the Triple Threat with Mateo, Aesop, and Russell Rogue. I love Mateo to death. I love Russell Rogue. I think Russell Rogue is uniquely himself, uh, themselves, and I just I I super super enjoy being able to put the platform to anybody who is not afraid to be themselves. 
And I think the marriage of LGBT in the ring and that match was made in heaven. Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth style. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Like that's just that that was the first one that jumped out to me. It's like, okay, this is this is where where we t- need to put our support behind here. Um, not nothing, no shade against any of the other matches, obviously, but this is that was just the first one. It's like, okay, this is this is the the flavor that we need. Um, yeah. So I'm excited for the show. Um, I'm excited to, to see it whenever it hits IWTV. I wish I could be in Chicago to see it live myself, um, but I'm sure that y'all, y'all are going to knock it out of the park there. Um, last question for you. I always like to kind of end on a fun one. Um, and for, for you, I have to ask about this Marty Povich angle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Because so, yes. I I just set set this up for for everyone listening that hasn't seen it yet because like this was just you and Jax are just were so good in this. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so the, the, this is gonna be a, be a little bit of a one because we have to we have to give you the the history. Um, I grew up a wrestling fan with tape traded videotape from my grandpa who would tape trade Michigan shows for Chicago shows. Um, and I grew up watching Chicago Indies and a tag team that came on the show Indies and eventually went to Shikara was the Soul Touches, which is Willie Richardson, Willie the Bomb Richardson um, of Shikara fame, if you were an indie wrestling fan, but also on like some of the early NWA TVA pay-per-views. That's fun. Uh, Marche Rocket of NWA Power fame. He's also an impact for like a hot second in the X Division, even though he was like like 205 at the time um uh and acid jazz of being acid jazz fame um and uh, also c red was there as the manager and there was a female valet too at one point and shug d was involved at one point anyways the soul touches go look at the soul touches they were a tag team that were unapologetic black unapologetically black but also just goofy as shit and i grew up watching the soul touches and Jax grew up watching the Soul Touches. And so my very first day of training, who walks into the training uh, venue or the training facility besides Acid Jazz? And Acid Jazz proceeds to hit me with 10 shoot clotheslines to teach me how to back bump. Because I, for, like, this is my third day. But, like, because I was having trouble back bumping correctly. And I asked him, being the stupid person I am, to shoot clothesline me. So he did. And he taught me how to back bump by shoot clotheslining me. And ever since then, he has been integral uh, in my training. And every time I get a chance to learn from uh, him or Marshy Rocket or to a lesser extent, Bryce Benjamin, I will. I look up to those three people as our OGs. So when we formed NLS, which was originally me and Jack sitting in our car, in his car, uh, talking, trying, like just talking about what we want from wrestling. And NLS was originally the click. It was basically like a not wrestling thing. We did not want to be wrestling. We just wanted to be us. And we asked Saban to join. And then that's when it became a wrestling thing. But when we started it, we wanted to be the modern day soul touches. We have kind of deviated from that, but we still maintain that mentality. We want wrestling to be fun, but also we can kick your ass, but also we're going to be goofy. And so when we were told by Berwyn Championship Wrestling, which is run by Robert Ego Anthony, that we were getting up, me and Jax, uh, we got booked. Uh, the same day that we uh, we didn't have to find out this match, but we got booked the same day that we decided we were doing NLS. When I made that joke, that same show, 
I made that joke. Like two hours later, I DM'd Robert Eagle Anthony or Jack that DM'd Robert Eagle Anthony and we got booked on Berwyn Championship Wrestling. And that match would be the match against the Edwards, which you can go find. Uh, it's, the, it's the October show of Berwyn Championship Wrestling. Go watch that match. It's great. But I will, I will give you the scene. I'll tell you everything you need to know. So when we found out we were going to wrestle uh, uh, the N-word, I was geeked as a bitch. I was so hyped. So I sat with Jazz, and one of the gimmicks that me and Jack were doing just in our, like, in real life, like, behind the shows. So one, one, of, the, one of the jokes that we have with Jazz is that, like, we're his kids, because uh, Jazz's wife is white. We love Jazz's wife. Jazz, uh, you know, would you, my, uh, Jazz's wife is great, but that's a joke, right? It, you know, we we are the uh, yeah. Anyways, um, so when we decided to do the show, we're like, what can we do about this tag match to make it fun? What can we do to make this easy for us? And so we decided we're gonna play on the gimmick that we are Jazz's kids, and it's Uncle Bryce and Jazz's our father. And so when we cut our promo before the match, we, we like hype up the fact that this is important for us. And like, this is us. This is our breakdown. We're going to make a name off, off, off our OG, the people we look up to the most. And at the beginning of the match, you see Bryce come over to us. And we, we, when we come out, we're like, dad, dad, Uncle Bryce, dad, we love you, dad, Uncle Bryce. And Bryce comes over to us and look, looks at us and says, points at Jazz, uh, Jax and says, this one I don't see, but points at me. She got your nose. I, I can see, she got your nose. This, this, this makes sense. And, and, and Bryce <laughs> and Jazz is like, that's not my kids. They ain't my kids. But the entire structure of the match, uh, the beginning of the match, Jazz uh, is Bryce and, and Jax wrestling in the beginning. And Bryce has no care beating us up because he doesn't give a fuck. We ain't his kids. But when me and Jazz get in the ring, Jazz won't hit me because I could be his kids. I could be his kid, so he 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 won't hit me. And then I'll I'll, I'll like I'll get one on him. It'll go hit me, and be like, mm, I can't hit you. And I'll get one on him, and eventually I steal his wig he's wearing, and that's when he hits me, and he's like I I drop my knees. I'm crying. I'm like I'm I'm doing straight spoiled brat thing, and uh, he and he's like upset. And Bryce like hit her. Hit her. She's not your kid. But Jazz like, no, that's my kid. No, that's my kid. They turn around. I think it's a spine buster I hit him with. Big move. Either way, I hit him with a big move. Boop. And uh, uh, that's when um, I, I, I hit him with like a, a, fur a, a flurry of stuff. And that's when they get the paper. And Bryce grabs a mic and Bryce grabs a piece of paper and goes, wait, wait, wait. The results are in. And <laughs> Someone in the crowd, the best part about this, this whole thing, someone in the crowd shouts, if that's the 50-50 results, I haven't bought my ticket yet. <laughs> and in the ring, me and Jack, you, you can't see it on camera because the camera's pointed at Bryce, but me and Jax are corpsing like a motherfucker. <laughs> we feel like, we're just like, what the fuck? Because it's already stupid. This whole match was, the beginning of the match was Jax and, um, and uh, Bryce actually wrestling. And then me and Jazz get in and I'm, and I'm like, I'm throwing forearms. I pretty much, my entire, the entire match, I threw three forearms, a spine buster, a suplex, and then a tag move. Like, I did nothing in that match. And we're just being goofy as shit. This whole match is goofy as hell. And then Bryce finally gets together, grabs it, and says, um, the result, Jasmine Jones, you are not the father. Uh, 
And somebody didn't get put across, but tell me that was supposed to be the thing is that was a fake result. Mm. Right? Like the in kayfabe, we are his kids, but they fake the result. That, 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 that's just one of those stupid uh, tidbits that doesn't matter because like you can't like present that. But they're the heels, right? They're the conniving bad guys. So they fake the results to lose their morale. What happens is Mia Jax immediately, like, the most comedic response. Like, I drop down, roll out like I'm a fucking cartoon character, and we they beat up on us. Um, they fucking, uh, they post me, and they get, on top, they, get, they get on top of us. They beat up Jack in the ring. I sit in the crowd and drink a red apple ale, I think, or, like, it's uh, <laughs> hard. Some fan just know why I did that, but I did. Um, and then... It, the, the, then we get back to a more normal wrestling match uh, until I get the hot tag. And this is my favorite part of the entire match. Because the Mori bit is great. And I love the Mori bit. But the Mori bit is it, before and after. Uh, and the Mori bit was um, Bryce and Acid's uh, idea. Because me and Jazz had a lot of the other ideas, like um, a lot of the other like bits to add in the character work. But the Mori bit was fantastic and the crowd ate it up and like it's it's just so good but my favorite part of that match was i hit my comeback on jazz i'm comeback comeback and before i hit my final move in my comeback um no 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 i don't, I don't even hit my comeback i get in the ring to do my comeback and jazz goes wait and at the time uh so nls wears bandanas to the ring as like kind of a calling card we have so many different bandanas now it's not even funny but at the time we had two we had, uh, we had three actually, sorry. We had the one that the, our logo is based off of. We had a uh, blue and purple one, and then we had a green and purple one. And green and purple for the affiliates, blue and purple, blue and purple were for Neon Noise, and the regular ones was for, uh, for the main trio, the three of us. Um, but we gave some to Acid Jazz because Acid Jazz RG. So he had like six of our bandanas laying around somewhere. Um, but he had them with him. So we're wearing our bandanas. I have mine on my head. And he says, wait. And he goes in his pants, reaches down his pants, and pulls out two bandanas to bring together. And I, I look so confused. And he's like, see, I am your father. I take my bandana off. I'm looking. I'm like, oh, oh shit. No, no way. We're hugging, I'm crying. And he's like, it's, it's okay, yep, daddy's got you. And I, and I look at him, I go, dad. He's like, yeah, I love you. I'm sorry. Mandible claw with all three bandanas, including the ones that are in his pants. He bites my hand, goes for a clothesline, turns into my, my, my comeback, tag Jackson. We hit our tag move, doesn't get enough. Um, they get up on us real quick. We grab them, we hit their tag move on, on them. Uh, the the uh, the curb stomp uh, side side slam. We hit their tag move on them. We still don't win, and at the end they beat us. But it was it was one of the funnest things I've ever done in wrestling because we just got to be goofy. And is the match great? No, but it's so fucking fun. Um, and like legitimately, I like the, the fact that I got to use the Shawn Michaels Ric Flair quote. In a, mat, in, a, in a spot where I mandible clawed my father, air quotes, uh, with bandanas that were in his pants it is just the best thing I've ever done in pro wrestling. <laughs> That's going to be topped on March 5th when I die at the hands of Ziggy Heim. But for now, uh, getting to um, 
uh, yeah, get, getting to do that match and getting to do the Mori bit and getting to do uh, everything around it. It really opened me up to a new type of wrestling because every, the traditional wrestling match, right? Shine, uh, heat, finish, every single transition was marked by a gimmick. Mm-hmm. At the beginning, you had Bryce. And then when it was me and uh, when it was my time to shine up, we had the the fact that Jazz couldn't hit me. And then when it was time to go to the heat, we had the Mori bit. And then it was time to go to the 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 comeback. Uh, we had the the mandible claw, the see, I am your father. See, see, I, I'm just playing with you. I am your father. And then we at the to go to go home, we stole their finish. Um and uh oh, because the thing was, and I forgot this. This is very important. Our original, our original tag finish, and one of the, we don't do it anymore. Uh, we we do sometimes, but we don't get the tag enough. Uh, but one of our tag finishes is what we call a south side serenade, uh, which is uh, basically a flapjack into a uh, STO. Like they grab their head, they fall back, uh, like a reverse three D, basically. Mm. Um, uh, but that is the soul touches tag finish. Mm. That that is the soul touches, and now the N words aren't the soul touches, but that night, that was the finish. They hit me with the Southside Serenade, or uh, I think the Soul Touches call it the, the N-word Busta. I think that's what they called it. Um, but like they hit us with that move. And so everything wrapped up. And if you're just a casual fan watching that show, that match, you may not have any idea what the fuck is going on. But I hope that just watching it, you get to understand how fun it was for us. And maybe now after listening to this podcast, you can go back and rewatch that match, uh, view listeners at home, and just get all the inside jokes because there was so fucking many. <laughs> it's very, very poetic, and yeah. it definitely showcased multiple sides uh, of y'all and and what pro wrestling can be. It was just, I really, really enjoyed that one personally. That's one of those that just that stood out the first time I saw it. So I, I had to ask about it because like you don't. I can't think of another match that ever had like a Mori in it, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> Much less uh, yeah. the whole package. My, my favorite thing was Mateo. Uh, Mateo died hearing about that bit because uh, we told him about it. And he was like, oh, like, so we actually, me and Jazz talked about it originally. And the te- we we're going to actually keep, get rid of it. But then Mateo was like, no, you have to do that. You have to do the Mori bit. So we worked it in because it's just, it's just so good. <laughs> oh, Mateo is doing uh the right kind of work making yep. sure that you get that, that stuff in there for you coda it's been a, a blast chatting with you i'm excited Thank you so for, much for having me on of course yeah nls is for everyone march 5th bourbon eagles club is going to be great can't wait to see it drop on iwtv um, one Leonard, week i know from the right? day that we record this i i am nervous as shit i can imagine but you know what nerves are good nerves, nerves are, are good. good yeah well let everybody know where they can uh, find you online. And if they uh, want to grab tickets for the show, let them know where they can grab those as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, Coda holiday on all the socials, uh, even Facebook, like don't, don't add me on Facebook, but if you really needed to Coda holiday on Facebook, I guess um, uh, next level soldiers on Facebook, you can add that page that has all the match announcements and the tickets. But if you want it directly, you can go to eventbrite.com and just hit the little search button and put type in NLS for everyone. Um, you should be able to find it. Um, or my Twitter has it. The NLS is forever. Twitter page is the official NLS Twitter that has that link. Uh, Jax Johnson NLS 
uh, Sabe and Gage on Twitter. And then uh, I think it's just Sabe and Gage on, on Instagram. And then it's Breaking Neck 69 for Jax Johnson on, uh, on uh, Instagram. You can find me in the Chicago wrestling scene, uh, Northland, CSW. Uh, yeah, pretty much any, like, you know, I'm around. Follow me on Twitter for all that stuff. EWE. Uh, I have some matches. I don't have a match. I do have one match on IWTV, which is the EWE Legato show, me and Jack Johnson versus uh, KTK. Sabin Gage is also in a banger on that, on that show uh, uh, in the main event. Go check that out. I also managed Jax Johnson twice on IWTV, once at the EW, not EWE, at um, Hybrid, where I got to do my, the best heel work I've ever done in my life. And then also at uh, New Wave Pro's uh, Strongest Yard, um, Jax got chosen out of a Shug D seminar to wrestle Mr. Crummles. And I got the opportunity to manage um, uh, him during that match. Um, YouTube, find all the, just type Coda Holiday Wrestler and you might find me. You might find like, like a rapper. That's not me. That's cool too. Go give him some support, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's me. Uh, you can also watch me play uh, board games on, or especially social production games at the Pandemonium Institute on uh, twitch.tv Sunday nights at like seven Eastern, I think. Nice. That's keep, me. Keep him busy. I love it. <laughs> yeah i mean i i i can, I can plug my uh, i can plug my full punk record too if you want to go look empress brilliant on bandcamp i don't know why you'd want to hear that but that exists in the world <laughs> yo there's somebody somebody somewhere always wants to hear something so yeah yeah it's so out go there. check out my soundcloud rat no um, <laughs> so real quick last story i promise um i was a relatively relatively famous i was able to tour for two months off of a soundcloud rap career that existed for two years you can go oh my god never listen to this but if you want to soundcloud.com uh sad colibri i think it's still i think it's still on uh on uh online like at spotify i released two albums one called things we lost in the fire the other called autobiography and i think there's some singles as well they're bad they're like 2019 uh, non-binary Coda uh, that was still like struggling with their gender identity and like super sad all the time, but it exists. Sad Colibri, that's me. Uh, I'm a, I'm a, I was a bad emo rapper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it. I love it all. I, I, I might have to seek that out for myself. <laughs> It's so bad. Thank you for having me on. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Coda. My thanks once again to Coda for taking the time to chat about her experiences in pro wrestling and about NLSs for everyone. Um, I know they've been, since we recorded that interview, uh, the the crew there running that show have been able to move some more tickets. Obviously, there are still tickets available to see all the outstanding matches that are on that show. Um, obviously, the one we're sponsoring, Mateo Valentine uh, and Russell Rogue and, uh, and Aesop, uh, that, that's going to be a, a really fun one. Um, and if you haven't seen the, um, the video message that Don't Die Miles put out ahead of uh, their match with Margie Rocket, um, check it out. This match has a lot of significance to, to Miles, obviously. Um, and... I highly suggest you seek out that video on their Twitter account and fully understand this, what this match 
means to Miles. Not just because they're finally debuting in their hometown of Chicago, but um, the familial impact, the relationship impact that comes with this as well. Um, a lot of a lot of heart up and down and a lessons for everyone and you know like i said i wish i could be in chicago to check it out live but i know i'll be tuned into iwtv whenever it is available um so definitely keep your eyes peeled there if you're in the chicago area grab a ticket and check out a fun show it's gonna be great um well, that being said though that's gonna do it for us this week uh but next week we are jumping back on the AEW train i heard somebody about ring of honor i wonder who that could be no, we're jumping back on to AEW because AEW Revolution is this weekend, and uh, we're going to be back talking about that event next week uh, before we hit the final couple of shows before everybody gets down to Dallas and, and gets down to independent pro wrestling business. So uh, that being said, uh, we're going to leave you for this week. But uh, until next time, Y'all stay messy, wash your hands, wear your mask, get vaccinated and boosted if you are able to do so. And the new Ring of Honor ownership should do the right thing and bring back Trisha Dora and Max the Impaler. Bye!